Well, just like Alice in that dang rabbit hole, (laughs) you know, sometimes our lives consist of conditions that we've just fallen into, right? We gravitate unwillingly to that which works for us in the short term, whether it's our work, the job we accept, the people we hang out with, what we do with our time, our habits, our hobbies and routines. Uh, Many times there isn't much thought as to where we are going, For example, have you ever done this? Um, I'm sure you have. I have too. Come home from work and and you're thinking on the way home that, you know, today's the day I'm going to tackle organizing that closet tonight when I get home. Or I'm going to make that phone call to that friend or family member. And, uh, or maybe I'm going to do something uh, that I need to do, get to those bills. And we get home, right? We relax a little bit. And what do we do? We say, you know what? Maybe I'm going to watch the news a little bit, get caught up on what's going on, or let me see what's going on on that program. And the minute that television comes on, right? Come on, you're with me? That's it, right? We're on the couch. It's the end of the evening. We've forgotten about anything we've planned to do, right? Anything productive. So seldom do we consciously decide how we're going to live our lives and where we are going, We have good intentions, don't we? But we just end up living by default. For example, I recently got this Samsung Galaxy Note, okay? Note 4, I think it is. So when this arrived, it came with default positions, right? And those were based on how most people would use this phone. Kind of generic settings, wouldn't you say? But, you know, I suspect that this phone has the capability of assisting me in being more organized in my life, probably even more productive in my career. And I think and I suspect that has the capability to get me organized in such a manner that I could have more margin in my personal life, too. But I lack two things, two things to unlock this phone's potential. I do not have enough understanding of the capabilities of this phone. I really don't know all that it can do. Nor do I have, even if I did know what it can do, nor do I have the knowledge of how to customize it for higher performance. So guess what? I continue to use this phone on default setting. That's what happens when we don't understand our potential in the kingdom of God. When we're not sure, we can't imagine what we're actually capable of doing or accomplishing. We continue to live our lives on the default setting. We keep doing what we've been doing. So let's define these terms a little bit. Default, a selection made usually automatically or without active consideration living our life on default. However, what if we considered an alternative this morning? What if we considered living by design rather than default? Design. Well, let's consider what this definition is. It's a method worked out in advance for achieving some objective. And here's some synonyms that I know will sound familiar to you. Uh, How about game plan, roadmap, or how about this one since it's Sunday morning? How about master plan, a master plan? Let's consider that idea of a master plan because unlike Alice in Wonderland, let me tell you, it really does matter where we end up and where we are going. 
So, as we've been discussing through this series about six questions every church should ask, and we mean that as the church universal and as us individually, as members of the church, we want to consider what I will call our general calling and as well as our specific calling. Now, let me explain. A general calling is something that's common to us all. When we come to Christ and we give our heart to him and our life to him and we say, I want to live for you and you live in and through me as a follower of Christ, we emulate our Savior and our Lord. So then we have a general calling such as Love God, right? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor, right? We have things like holy living. God wants to begin to, to send us in the right direction, to live for kingdom things. Remember the, the big kingdom, not little kingdom of this earth, right? How about obedience to learn his precepts, to understand uh, what the Bible says and what's required of us and live in obedience to God? Or how about benevolence to others, such as here are our, our food drive or cereal drive for Matthew's Crossing, right? So now we're supposed to be people who are benevolent. We give. We give financially. We give by doing good deeds and, and meeting needs of other people. Now this is a general calling. This is to uh, be, be affected within our lives and flowing through our lives to all people. It's not a matter of us picking and choosing those things. No, that's supposed to be common to us all. We are to be emulating the Savior in regards to our character and our good deeds. But there's also a specific calling. And so Pastor Scott was speaking about this last week as he, he brought to us that piece of the puzzle, specific calling. And I want you to even see something more wonderful about a specific calling in regards to God has deemed that and designed that even prior to birth. Take a look with me, okay? So we're going to look at some people. First of all, John the Baptist out of Luke 1, 13 to 17. When the angel visited his father, Zechariah, this is what he said about John the Baptist, who was to be born. The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. What was that prayer? That prayer was for a child. And the angel said, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit of, and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Wow, pretty specific, wouldn't you say? And sure enough, when John the Baptist came on the scene, that's exactly what he did. He fulfilled that specific calling on his life. Now, Jesus, in the book of Luke, I believe your notes may say John, but, but it's in uh, the Gospel of Luke, in uh, chapter 1, 32 to 33, this is what the angel said to Mary about Jesus. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. 
before Jesus was ever born, it was prophesied, it was declared what his ministry and his mission would be. How about Paul, the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians? Listen to what Paul says about his ministry and where he was to minister. He said, but when God, who, was, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might what? I might what? Fill in the blank here. He says, I might preach him, Jesus Christ, among the Gentiles. Paul himself began to understand that he was set apart even prior to birth to preach the good news, the gospel message to the Gentiles. Matthew Henry, the famous commentator, says this, He who gave him his commission is the same that gave him his being. The great creator knows what use to make of every man before he makes him. Wow, what an incredible thought. You know, it was in 1991 in Redmond, Washington, I was in the midst of discovering my passions and gifts, my little piece of the puzzle. And I belonged to a wonderful church that sent out many missionaries all over the world. And uh, they were going to have a missions conference. And they, they named it after Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah received his calling from the Lord. And so there were, was a big banner, I remember, and it said, Here am I, send me. Now, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. I should have known when they named it that I was going to be in trouble, okay? But... I ended up attending, and I went every night after work, and I sat in, in one of those chairs, and I heard every night all the missionaries that came in from all over the world to share about what God was doing in and through them in some remote place that I hadn't even been or heard of many of them, and how they were changing lives, and God was a part of that, and how God had empowered them to do so. So, you know... I was so thrilled because I've always believed in supporting mission work financially. So I was so excited to see that, wow, this is something truly to invest in. But, you know, I had never thought that God would do something there in regards to me and sending me out. I mean, after all, I was a local business owner. I had two stores. I had two young children. I mean, certainly God wouldn't require anything of me, right? Well, the last night of the conference, they had an altar call. And in those days, what that meant is just there was a time of setting apart uh, some silence to allow people to consecrate whatever God was saying in their heart to the Lord. And they would actually use the platform in the front of the church as kind of like a, a quasi-altar to God. And as God began to move in the room, people would come forward and kneel down and they would say whatever it was and pray about what God had put on their heart for that conference. So imagine my shock when I'm starting to feel a tug in my heart to go forward and I'm saying, oh no, God, you must mean that guy back there. Can't be me, right? So I dug my fingers into the, the uh, chair in front of me just a little bit harder. And boy, I tell you, my heart was throbbing. And I'm like, God, it just can't be me, could it? And finally, I just surrendered. And I said, I have no idea what this means. And I went forward and I just knelt down and I said, you know, God, I'm scared to death. I am just scared to death. But all I know is that I love you. 
I love you with all my heart and I'll go wherever you want me to go and I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just please don't send me to Africa. Right. Can you believe it? I was one of them. Send me anywhere, but just don't send me to Africa, right? But you know, he was so gracious with me, sending me to different churches and uh, first within the state. So little simple places like Kansas and Oregon, okay? Not anything big, but then he upped the ante on me, okay? Then he began to send me to the hills of Mexico and then to Italy and Spain and Hungary and Romania and United Arab Emirates, Abu Dhabi, Qatar. And I was using my gifts, my little piece of the puzzle, to strengthen God's church, his people, and to assist them in living out their calling as I was actually living out mine. Wow. And after all these years, now... Where do you think I want to go? Africa. Cruel joke, God. You know, no opportunity yet, but maybe someday. I bring up that part of my story because perhaps like me in 1991, you've set limits on your potential. Perhaps even without realizing it, just by default, you've rationalized away radical, out-of-the-box living for God. It's just not even on your radar. Perhaps you're finding yourself comfortable rather than courageous or passive rather than passionate. You haven't blazed perhaps a trail for God in years. Well, if so, let me encourage you this morning. Start dreaming. Start dreaming with God again. You know, dreaming with God doesn't mean that he'll send you to Hungary or Romania. I mean, you may be one of the lucky ones. You may get to go to Africa. But let's dream with God about where he can use us. That may mean he might have a ministry right here at Hope for you. Maybe perhaps God is leading you to open your home and just uh, give a little bit of hospitality for some in the church that need to come together to pray together and be encouraged and study God's word. We, we need more leaders within the church, those to not only lead the groups, but those to open their home and say, hey, I've, I've got some couches, I've got some chairs, and I got a heart of love. Use me, God. Or maybe the Lord is saying that you can make an impact in the youth ministry. Maybe the things that you've experienced as a teenager and growing up and, and how God has healed that and, and shown you so much within that can be an encouragement to someone else who's struggling. Maybe it's children's ministry. I don't know. Maybe, it, maybe God wants to do something new and fresh. Maybe it's a prayer ministry. Who knows? But maybe God has something for you right here at Hope. Or maybe it's within your community or at your work or at your school. When I think about living with no limits, you know, I, I think about my life prior to Christ. Oh my, the things I did. I mean, I was the quintessential party girl. You know, I mean, I lived life out on the edge. Some of the things I, I did were actually incredibly dangerous, radical and outside the box. You know, but I, I lived that way in an outrageous way. And 
And I didn't even realize how dangerous some of those things were. I mean, can anyone relate in here? Any, any past party people, okay? I know you can see you're not putting your hand up, but I know you're out there, okay? That's right. And you think about the things we did. I mean, playing it safe was not in our vocabulary, right? So how is it now? Let me ask you. How is it now that we're empowered by the Spirit, we're cleansed, we're renewed, we're given purpose and meaning, and it's now that we settle in and get comfortable? Wow. Let me tell you, I've been thinking about that on my heart this week too. If we lived out on the edge while we were under the influence of the enemy, Satan, who wanted to take us down and ruin us and leave us destitute, discouraged, without any purpose or meaning, if we lived that radical out there on that edge while under his influence, how much more so than we should live that way for Christ? Just the other day, I wanted to go and pick up some greeting cards, and I saw this. Do at least one thing today that makes others say, dude, you're crazy. You're crazy, right? Do you remember in the Old Testament the Lord told Israel as they were moving out from Egypt, he says, you are my peculiar people. Live your life radically different from the world. And I love that because I want to be that. I want to be able to live that way so that others can say, what is it about you? What is that thing? And I can tell them about Christ and what he's done for me. I don't want to run with the pack. I want to do something different for the Lord. So since we're to emulate Christ and his ministry, let's think about his ministry a little bit. And I know, you know, it's easy to go to, he, well, yeah, he fed the hungry. Um, you know, he was compassionate. He encouraged the outcasts. Yes, he did that and, and much more. But I want to roll it back a little bit. When you think about the where of his ministry, let's roll it back a little bit and think about before he ever set foot on earth itself. He made the greatest cross-cultural mission trip ever. Think about it. He left heaven and he came to earth. Talk about where, the where of ministry. He left heaven and he came to earth. Is that radical? Very radical. Deciding to leave heaven and come to earth. Why? For us. Such passion in his heart. And let me tell you, when we start talking about specific calling and ministry, this is about people. This is about people that need us. There's nothing like being belly to belly, hand to hand, and heart to heart with someone where we can speak into their lives and say, this is what Christ has done for me. And maybe, maybe this ministry of, this, of giving you just this scripture can encourage you and get you through this trial. So remember, when we talk about the where of ministry, we're talking about people that maybe right now are faceless to you. You don't have their name. You do, you're not quite sure who they are. But trust me, they're there. And they're needing what you and I have. So Christ made the greatest cross-cultural mission trek ever, right? So out of the box, and yet when we consider our wear of ministry, we find it difficult to go across the street to speak to our neighbor or across the hall to speak to a coworker, right? We're challenged. 
You know, uh, many years ago, when I was considering uh, my spiritual growth, one of the things I'd like to do is to set time aside and, and try different things for my spiritual growth. And, and one thing I did one year was just to read biographies of missionaries all year, different missionaries, because I was a first-generation Christian. So I really didn't, I wasn't exposed to any history about Christianity. And through those biographies, I got to see firsthand how God began to use people that were blazing new trails with him and were willing to trust him. And my heart was open and my mind became open to great things. And also my heart became very tender as I began to see how these people loved the lost for Jesus Christ. And one of them, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, David Plymeyer, the, uh, the book is High Adventure in Tibet. And God had given him such a passion for the people of Tibet. And at that time, the people of Tibet were very isolated and, and it was a very remote place. And they were actually very hostile and so he took his life into his own hands, going and trekking to Tibet. And on one of these treks, he took his wife with him, who was pregnant uh, with their first child, who ended up being a son. And it was a very severe winter in Tibet. And it's been a while since I read the story, but if I remember it correctly, it was that severe winter that ended up um, finding her, his wife, very ill. And he had gone there all on his own. And here he was trying to reach the people of Tibet and having great adversity in doing so. And at the same time, his wife becomes ill and he has this little <clears throat> infant son to take care of. And as she becomes ill, he realizes she's getting worse and worse. And she dies. And he has this little son. And in his journal, he writes, God, I can't help but wonder is someone being obedient, disobedient to you, disobedient to their call? Because I need encouragement. I need help. I need someone here to hold up my hands, to strengthen my faith. I'm failing. And yet he faced that adversity all on his own. But when I read that, that is, is someone being disobedient and not moving forward in the calling to go, to their where, if he would. And because of that, David Plymeyer suffered something he, he didn't necessarily have to suffer. Perhaps someone would have been there to encourage him and strengthen him, provide for him, to pray for him. That so cut to my heart. And I said, God, help me be obedient. So what boundaries must we abolish to truly serve God and to serve others. To live without limits can only be accomplished if we're willing to no longer live by default and to begin to dream with God. You know, if we must embrace the capacity that we have to make a difference in this world and desire to live out those higher performance settings that are unique to us, we must understand that living by, by default will result in discontent due to the fact that we're not living out the purpose which we're designed for. So how do we discover the where of our ministry? Where is God directing us? Let me suggest that we discern and we don't decide. Rather than humanly decide based on what we feel is best, let's begin to discern with God 
Let me share with you Psalm 32.8. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. I remember when I first read this, remember I said I wasn't the smartest tool in the shed, but I did notice something. I'm saying, God, you're being rather redundant, aren't you? I mean, instruct, teach, counsel. Okay, okay, I get it. Well, I thought I got it until it just wouldn't go away. And I said, you know what? I just have to study out these words. What is he saying here? And sure enough, in the Hebrew, these words mean different things. And, and as I began to sit at God's feet about it, this wonderful picture came to light for me. So let me share it with you. Perhaps it'll be meaningful to you. Instruct. In the Hebrew, that's the word sakal. It means to make you intelligent or wise or to make you understand. And so this is, a, this is a point where God heightens your awareness of something. It could be an opportunity that you've never thought of before. An open road, an open path to something that you say, wow, that's a new idea. I never thought about that. Or perhaps he makes you understand maybe even something of yourself. Maybe in this series, you've been starting to think, hey, I'm starting to understand how God has designed me, how he's made me. And so for you, it's a point of sakal, of God giving you wisdom and understanding about how he's formed you and shaped you. But then teaching is a different word. It's the word yaram in Hebrew. It is to point out, or as if by aiming an arrow. Okay, this speaks to specificity, doesn't it? Now, God takes that broader, grander idea, and now he begins to narrow it. He begins to give you specifics about it. And as we begin to get on the path with God, because remember, we're going to talk about that, we've got to move out in faith, right? As we go, he says, now I will counsel you. And that means the Hebrew word ya'atz, to continue to give good advice. You know, isn't it funny how God does this? He'll give us enough information, and we're always wanting more, right? The minute we find out something, we say, yeah, but... And it's like God is saying, no, start on the path, and then I will continue to counsel you. I will continue to give you good advice. And you know, that makes sense, because we're supposed to have a faith walk with God. That when we are, are uh, obedient in the one piece of information we've received, guess what? We receive more, don't we? So he continues to give good advice. And then what does it say here? And I, my eye will be upon you, or I will watch. What great news. Our Father's promise to enlighten us as to how to fulfill his will for our lives, where to go, and he will then give us specific direction in regards to accomplishing that goal or task or assignment. And as we move out, he will continue to give us good advice on how to achieve the goal. He just didn't say, you know, hasta la vista, I'll see you on the other side, hope you make it. Okay, and then we'll figure it all out there. See how you did? No, guess what? He goes with us on the road and his eye is upon us. So we choose to discern rather than to decide on our own. And note that discernment involves intimacy with God. Intimacy, it's going to require us to spend time with him. And not only just the intimacy of worship and time with him, but inquiry inquiry to ask. If we don't get something, ask for clarification. 
You're instructing me, but I need you to teach me. Give me more specifics about that God. You remember when I was talking about Isaiah 6 at the mission conference, right? Here am I, send me. I mean, read Isaiah 6. It's an amazing little piece of scripture because all of a sudden Isaiah finds himself caught up in this incredible worship session in heaven, right? And he's, he's witnessing this, and in the midst of this, he says, here's God, the Trinity, speaking, who will we send for us? And it's like he's so compelled, he can't stand it any longer. He's in the midst of this intimate worshiping environment. He breaks in and he says, here am I, send me. It's almost like he's eavesdropping and he says, here am I. I, I, can't, I can't stand it any longer. And when we get in that environment of being with God, with intimate worship, and to inquire of him, and we experience him, that is when he can speak into our lives, and we can receive that direction from him. Now, if that was all a bit over the top and a lot of steps, okay, here's my other barometer, all right? If when I suspect he's directing me, and I'm hearing his voice on something, and it's like so stinking grand and big, more than I can even think about and have even thought about, and I have this visceral reaction, and I want to run to the bathroom and like toss my cookies, guess what? It's probably God. It's probably God that's leading you there. So feel free to use this one as well. It's called my barf meter, okay? And so if something makes you want to barf, it's probably God leading you there, okay? Because I remember uh, someone telling me, Tina dreams so big with God that if he doesn't show up, let me tell you, girl, it's doomed to failure. So we sense we hear him. We've identified an opportunity or a path, okay? He gives us specifics on it. Now, here's the critical point. The Bible records so many who came to this point where they identified their where of ministry, and then guess what? They struggled with a crisis of faith. You know them. Moses, Jonah, Gideon. I mean, it goes on and on, right? So here's the final point. Dare to trust him no excuses. Dare to trust him, no excuses. One of the uh, additional people in scripture that had a specific calling revealed prior to their birth, okay, was Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament. Look at the scripture with me, Jeremiah 1, 4 through 5. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, Jeremiah. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So God is telling Jeremiah that, you know what? Before you were ever conceived, I saw you. That Hebrew word is, I saw. I saw your heart of mercy, Jeremiah. I saw your skills, your abilities, everything that I created you to be. And then I actually formed you. I gave you the personality and, and everything you would need to then fulfill the mission that I wanted you to accomplish. He knew Jeremiah. So as he reveals this to Jeremiah, Jeremiah's taken all this in. Despite all of that, look at Jeremiah's reaction. Can you relate to this? Jeremiah says, oh, Lord God. I said, I don't know how to speak because I'm only a child. Well, he wasn't a child. He was a big boy by then, okay? But the Lord responded, Jeremiah, don't say I'm only a child. Where I send you, you must go. What I tell you, you must say, Jeremiah. You know, to contend 
that we lack the ability to live as God commanded is to express doubt in our Creator's wisdom. To set aside His Word in favor of the thoughts or creeds of men, whether they're our thoughts, others' thoughts, our creed, someone else's creed, it doesn't matter. It's to reject His Lordship. So what's the answer? We must align our perspective with God's. You see, Jeremiah really wasn't too far off. But in God's economy, what a difference one word makes. Do you remember just like Adam and Eve in the garden and their encounter with Satan, right? One little twist, one little variance can make a world of difference. So here's what I suggest. Instead of saying I am only a child because we're all going to struggle with that faith, that crisis of faith, let's say, take out only and say, I am a child. Let's just admit to God, I'm a child. Here's my hand. Take it. Guide me. Instruct me. Teach me and counsel me, God. I am a child. When I began to allow God to lead me like a child in the wear of ministry, I began for the first time to discover the things about myself that I never knew. You know what? He knew, but I didn't know. I had no idea where God wanted to send me, what I was capable of doing, what through the power of the Holy Spirit I could do. And then I knew about things about myself, how he formed me in my mother's womb, the things he put within me that I had no idea. He knew that I would thrive in environments where I would experience adventure, teamwork, collaboration, meeting new people, and experience significance over success. I had no idea about these things. I wish I had time to share some of the crazy adventures God sent me on. I mean, some of them have really tipped the scale of the barf meter for me, let me tell you. But in the end, you know what? Lives were changed. And I'll tell you, I think the biggest life that was changed was mine. My faith was uh, growing. My, my resolve to do what God had designed me to do ha had been, uh, become stronger within me. And I think, too, that I became a stronger person. My character became strong. So, my brothers and sisters of hope, I can't tell you you're aware of ministry. God's called you to make a difference, though in a very general way, but even in a specific way. I can't tell you, but the Holy Spirit can. And guess what? If you spend that intimate time with him, and if you inquire of him, he will tell you. But here's what I just ask. Dare to do it. Trust him. Let's be radical people of the gospel, and let's make a difference. And let's get on that road to living our life for him. Pray with me. Oh, dear Father, we thank you and we praise you for all that we have learned about you in the years that we've followed you. We thank you that you have said in Matthew that uh, we are to go to the ends of the earth and that where we go, you will follow, that you will be with us. You will go before us and you will go behind us and your eye is upon us. Lord, we thank you. We praise you that you have designed our lives in such a way that we can make a difference for you. 
Right now, I just want to ask you to do one thing. Would you pray for the person to your left? Would you pray that God would speak to them in a very intimate way about he's, the way he specifically designed them? And would you now do the same for the person to your right? We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to know you and to serve you. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.